Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the DJ Sports Show. If you haven't yet, tuned into the 10 greatest point guards of all time episode I did with my two friends, Gabriel and Brendan. We're going to try to continue that with the 10 greatest shooting guards, small forwards, power forwards, and centers as well. So that was a really well done episode. I hope y'all go tune into that. But in this episode, we're going to talk about um, Package D. I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers, the Super Bowl takeaways. Man, that was some Super Bowl. We're talking about, what's it called? NBA MVP race. I'm gonna get into as well. The 2021 All Star Game is finalized. Um, the 2021 NFL Hall of Fame class has been announced, and we're getting into more. And we're getting into the Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff trade as well. So sit back, relax, and let's do it. So we're first gonna start off with, of course, the Super Bowl. Um, as we all know, we had the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, um, the old guard, the greatest of all time. First, um, Patrick Mahomes, the guy who's supposed to take, um, who's the current face of the league, and everybody thought it would be the passing of the torch. Psych. <laughs> Man, the Buccaneers won 31 to 9 to cap off their season and a great postseason that they had defensively. Um, Tom Brady threw for 201 yards, three touchdowns, completing 21 of his 29 passes. Len Fournette had 16 carries on 89 yards and a touchdown. Alkankowski had six receptions, sixty-seven yards, and two touchdowns. Um, they just they just manhandled the um, Chiefs. Chiefs were without um, two of their um, All-Pro offensive linemen. Their offensive line was decimated. That's probably why they Patrick Mahomes struggled throughout the game um, to get anything going offensively. He threw for two hundred seventy yards, but had no touchdowns, two interceptions. Completing 26 out of 49 passes. Clyde Edwards Clyde Hilaire only had nine carries for 64 yards. Travis Kelsey dropped some big passes. Um, he had 10 receptions, 133 yards. They only scored on field goals. Um, during the whole game, they didn't score a single touchdown. The Buccaneers had 340 total yards to the Chiefs, 350. Chiefs had two turnovers to the Bucs, zero. And the Bucs had more first downs, 26, to the Chiefs, 22. And... They were like I was listening to Shannon Sharpman undisputed how they because they were missing Eric Fisher, their offensive lineman. One he was a, his all pro was the first overall pick in 2013. He's out with a 20 Achilles. They miss him, and then Mark Schwartz, he made the all decade team last decade for the offensive lineman. So they're missing two of those guys on the offensive line. They're missing three starters in total, and they had to rearrange like four different positions on the offensive line, change their right guard to right tackle, like so much different um, stuff they had to change up. And they messed up their front line, man. They messed up their offense. And then I was in the Shannon Sharp on this beauty. He was saying um, the Buccaneers' defense was amazing. They played. They were playing a cover two. They dropped the safety back. And the Chiefs, they couldn't, like, they, they didn't, um, pull that safety back up. They didn't make the defense pay. They play. They play with their four front linemen. The the four front line defense with Dominic Sue and Justin Pierre-Paul leading the way. Those two did an amazing job pressuring Patrick Mahomes and making it tough for the offensive line when they were playing mostly their backups because they were missing so many key guys. But uh, yeah, they were playing safety back cover two and Chiefs. They've um he was playing. He was saying they were playing their offense was playing scat protection. And they played in the Bucks' favor because they were playing. They were playing all their eligible receivers um, out on the field, and they were trying to get them all out there in the passing game instead of having some of them in more to help the offensive line and blocking the defense out to give Patrick Mahomes more time to get the ball out in an efficient manner and stop. And he had to rush so many passes. He dropped back so many times over 15 yards. It was crazy, man. 
like in that near the end of the game, he dropped back like at least fifty yards. They said he dropped back um like over five hundred yards in total throughout the whole game. That's how much pressure this defense was putting on him. It was it was insane. It was insane. I never and he got pressure more than any quarterback in Super Bowl history, twenty nine times over half. Half the times he got the he snapped the ball, he got pressured over fifty percent of his times. It was crazy. Ten drop back. How many drop backs did he have? Like ten. It was insane how many how much times he got pressured. And Brady got pressured the fewest times in the history of the of the Super Bowl and of his career four times. And that's why he won the game because the defense didn't pressure him the same way the Bucks defense was pressuring on Mahomes. NASCAR protects Jobsons really did not do them no favors. They didn't emphasize the run game enough. Um, Clyde Edwards only had nine carries for 64 yards. Like, and the defense, they did a great job, man. Um, they made it tough. Devin White, I forgot who was guarding um Travis Kelsey. I forgot his name. Shakir. Let me let me see if I can find it. He he made it so tough. I think his name was Sean Bunting. Like, he made it so tough. Or Shaquille Barrett. Yeah, Shaquille Barrett. He made life tough for Travis Kelsey, man. He made it miserable hell for him. He Travis Kelsey couldn't get open for nothing. And he played physical with him, made it tough for him. And that, that he messed up his psyche, man, messed up his game. Ty- Tyreek Kill was double and triple team throughout the whole game. And he's not the biggest receiver, so it's not like he could just jump over these type of guys. He's only 5'9". He only has seven receptions for 73 yards. He got shut down. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had two receptions for 23 yards. He was a non-factor. The rushing game, nobody rushed for over 70 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had the most with nine carries and 64 yards. Um, David Williams had two carries on five yards. Tyree Kill, one carry on five yards. Patrick Mahomes had five carries for 33 yards. Their, their running game was weak. It was that run, the lack of a running game didn't put the pressure on their cover two defense that they were playing throughout the whole game. And that's what Shannon Sharp was emphasizing on Undisputed of the Day after the Super Bowl, and they were um, dissecting the game. Now, the Chiefs only had 107 rushing yards to the Buccaneers, 145. Buccaneers had 195 passing yards to the Chiefs, 243. But they were more, Buccaneers were more efficient, and they didn't have any turnovers. The Chiefs, um, Patrick Mahomes threw two interceptions. And they, the penalties, man, the penalties cost the Chiefs. They had 11 penalties and gave 120 yards. Buccaneers had four penalties for 39 yards only gave up. That was the difference in the game. And the lack of an all-pro, like their offensive lineman being decimated. The line of the game was won at the line of scrimmage. That defense did work on the Chiefs. And that's what got the job done. The third down efficiency for both teams was not that great. Um, Chiefs had only cleaned three out of 13 attempts to the Buccaneers, four out of 12. And the Chiefs just got it done, man. They got it done. At the end of the day, Brady got his seventh ring now, and it's going to be tough now for anyone to pass him as the GOAT. He has more rings now than any NFL franchise ever, 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 man. Like, that's crazy. More than the Steelers with six and the Patriots, the franchise he helped win six um, with. That's it's, it's ridiculous. And he has, and he said he wants to come back, and they might be even better next season because they're going to have OTAs, preseason, all that to get better. And it's just gonna, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy, bro. They're, they're probably gonna be even better next season, depending on their health. Maybe they could repeat, but it's hard to repeat. The last, there has not been a team to repeat since Brady did it in 04, over 15 years ago. 
and people underestimate how hard it is to repeat. It's really, really hard. So Patrick Mahomes, he was playing, and he was, I give him credit. He was playing with a broken toe. People didn't know that. He played with a turf toe. That's very painful. And that's why you didn't see him running on for first downs like you usually saw him in the, early in the season when he was healthy. Like, that turf toe really messed up his mobility, be able to run and scramble for first downs because there were some passes that he, like in the past, he didn't make because he couldn't find anybody open, but he would then rush for the first down and gain some, yard, gain some yards for his team. And he, we didn't see that Patrick Mahomes because he's playing with a broken toe. He doesn't have, have that same mobility and agility because he's he's in pain. And when you have big, their, their offense, their front line defense coming at him like that, it's hard to get open. And he didn't really have much time to make much decisions. And the fact that he was pressured more than any quarterback in Super Bowl history, it's crazy. And some of those throws that he made, three in the end zone, two to receivers in the face. And then when he, oh, man, that, that's like 21 points right there on the board. They dropped twice to Tyreek Hill and then another time to um, Travis Kelsey. Man, they dropped some big passes. And I, mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw it. Like that play when he was diving, he was falling to the ground and he flicked the ball. How did he get that to the end zone? I know Tyreek Hill dropped the pass because there was two defenders on him. How did he even get the ball that far? It just adds to his legend how great he is. And I expect the Chiefs to be back, man. If they get healthy, they need to get the offensive line better, get those guys back. Patrick Mahomes, get healthy, get better, learn from this, grow from this. Tyreek Hill, too, you two, and Travis Kelsey, get better, learn from this. And this was a smack in the mouth to them. Patrick Mahomes said this was the best he's been um, defended in a long time, the best any team has played him in a long time, probably since high school. It was the first time he he didn't score a single touchdown in a game, pass for a single touchdown in a game since high school. So well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next season. And congrats to Brady winning his seventh NFL um, Super Bowl ring. And now you have the media, and now we have a great question on our hands. Is Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time? Seven rings, ladies and gentlemen, five Super Bowl MVPs. Three league MVPs, numerous records. It's just tough, man. And people are saying, is he a great athlete? And Jordan went six for six in the finals. Six finals MVPs never let it go to a game seven. And he has numerous records in his sport. And he changed the game. He changed the whole dynamic of sports for athletes, not just basketball, athletes. But... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it at that. I I, I want to do a whole separate episode on that on who's the goat of goats. I don't know when I'm gonna do it, but down the line somewhere I'm gonna do it. And there's a lot of people in the debate, man. Jordan, Gretzky, he's the anybody who people don't even know hockey. I I don't even know hockey. I know the name Wayne Gretzky. That's how goaded he is. He has so many records: nine MVPs, four Stanley Cups. Tiger Woods, he's a synonymous name when it comes to golf. So, and then Babe Ruth baseball. There's so many. Like, this is so many guys, man. It's tough. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron, Kobe. It's tough, man. But yeah, we're, I'm gonna save that for another episode. Go to goats, and I might do it with my friends because that that's a whole another. That's a whole episode right there. So stay tuned for that as well. And now speaking of goats, um, the NFL recently named their Hall of Fame class, the 2021 Hall of Fame class, headlined by legends Peyton Manning. Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, and numerous others. And what a class this is, man. Headlined by Tay Manning, the two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, and also eight, eight-time All-Pro defensive back. Charles Woodson highlighted the inductees for this year's Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame's Class 2021, which was announced this past Saturday. The modern-era players who were voted in also included Calvin Johnson and Alan Fineca. Joining the modern-era players... Um, for induction are former Raiders coach Tom Flores and my receiver Drew Pearson, who voted who was voted in as a senior finalist. 
former steel assistant, personal director Bill Nunn was elected to Hall of Fame as a special contributor. So let's get started on the resumes of these Hall of Fame inductees, man. What a Hall of Fame class this is. A very strong Hall of Fame class with some transcendent talents at the top. Payne, starting off saying Payne Manning, the crown jewel, the best player of this class. He played for 17 years, 13 with the Colts and four with the Broncos, where he won, he won one Super Bowl each um, with each team. In 2006, he won the title with the Colts. In 2016, 10 years later, he won with the Broncos, Super Bowl 50 against Cam Newton and the Panthers when he had that historic MVP season. Um, he won the league's most viable award, most viable player award, excuse me, a record five times in the NFL and holds a single season record for passing yards, 5,477 passing yards in one season, the most ever in a single season, and passing touchdowns, 55. The only other quarterbacks in NFL history that throw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards in a season are Tom Brady, who is the GOAT, and Patrick Mahomes, who, if he stays healthy, is on track to have a Hall of Fame career which was both set in 2013 for Peyton Manning. He was selected to the All-Pro team 10 times, seven of them as the first-team choice and three times as the second-team selection. Now getting to Charles Woodson. He spent 18 years in the NFL, making the Pro Bowl nine times and earning eight All-Pro selections, four of them first-team and four second-team. He was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2009 and won Super Bowl XLV while playing for the Packers, where he was one of the main reasons they won that Super Bowl that season. He spent seven seasons with Green Bay and 11 with the Raiders. Next up, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. This guy is one of the most gifted wide receivers ever. He was huge. He was he was like a basketball player playing wide receiver. He he was a huge wide receiver. He was like, what, 6'5", to like 6'7"? Huge, man. He defined the wide receiver position during his nine-year career, and I'm glad the Hall of Fame voted him first ballot. I know he didn't play that long, but it shouldn't be how long you played, especially in football, in my opinion. If you dominated for at least a five-year stretch in football, I think you should get in the Hall of Fame. Football is a very demanding sport and physical. I think if you dominated for a five-year stretch, you should get in. He set the record for most... Uh, he made the All-Pro, made Pro Bowl every season from 2010 to 2015. He set the record for most receiving yards in a single season in 2012, hauling in 122 catches for 1,964 yards. He ran second all-time in qualified pass catches with 86.1 receiving yards per game. Alan Fineca, he anchored the Steelers' offensive line for a decade. He helped lead the team to a win in Super Bowl XL, and he made nine consecutive Pro Bowls, Super Pro Bowls from 2001 to 2009 and was a six-time first-team All-Pro selection. What? Oh, who? Lynch? Oh, I forgot his first name. Lynch. This guy named Lynch. I don't know his first name. He. Um, yeah, let me just read it. He was currently their general manager for the 49ers. He played 15 seasons in the NFL, 11 for the Buccaneers, and four for the Broncos. He made nine Pro Bowl appearances and anchored the back line of a star-started um, Tampa Bay defense that won Super Bowl XXXVII over the Raiders. I don't know how, how the Super Bowl comes up with all these different Super Bowl names, XLV, all this type of stuff. <laughs> I, I, I need to look up the history of that. Where, like, where did they get this from? Um, Tom Flores, who coached the Raiders for nine seasons from 1979 to 1987, won Super Bowl championships for the 1980 and 83 seasons. He also played for the Raiders from 1960 to 66, becoming the first Hispanic starter QB in NFL history. He's the first minority head coach to win a Super Bowl and is one of two people along with Mike Ditka to win a Super Bowl title as a player, assistant coach, and head coach.
Um, I think this is Drew Pearson, um, who spent, or Mike Pearson, I think, one of them. I think Drew Pearson. He spent all 11 seasons of his career at the Cowboys and was part of Dallas's win in Super Bowl XII. He was the first team All-Pro selection three times and was named to the NFL Decade Team of the 1970s. Damn, it's kind of late to get into the Hall of Fame there, but at least he got in, man. Why wow, he's still alive. Better late than never. Um, Nunn was one of the architects of the Steelers' dynasty of the 70s, credited with acquiring key players like Joe Green, Mel Blount, L.C. Greenland, and Dwight White, all of them all-time greats. That scary Steelers defense of the 70s, that dynasty they had. He worked in the Steelers' front office in the personnel department or as a scout from 1968 until his death in 2014. Rest in peace. Um, before joining the Steelers, Nunn worked as an editor for the Pittsburgh Courier at the time, uh, one of the most influential black publications in the country. Um, so, yeah, shout out to all these Hall of Famers, man. This is one hell of a Hall of Fame class. You have guys like Tom Brady, Alan Fineca, all-time great. Uh, not Tom Brady, Payne Manning. I see I'm messing up today. <laughs> Payne Manning, Calvin Johnson, Alan Fineca, Charles Woodson. What a Hall of Fame class. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is this is a very special class. Um, Yeah, Drew Pearson was his name. Bill Nunn, John Lynch, Tom Flores. Just to get some respect to them. Like these these guys really made a massive imprint all in their own ways on the NFL. And it's really, it's really good to see them get their due diligence. Let me just read more Payne Manning's records and ranks. He's top five numerous categories and wins. Two hundred, which is second, probably only to Tom Brady. Passing yards seven one thousand nine hundred forty, third overall in NFL history. Passing touchdowns five hundred thirty nine, which is third overall in NFL history. Completions fourth with six thousand one hundred twenty-five, and game-winning drives fifty-four, which is first. And he was, he was a Walter Payton Man of the Year to boot. His legacy on and off the field is incal- incalculable, and this gold jacket was inevitable for the great Payton Manning. Like and, and Charles Woodson, sixty-five career interceptions, fifth all-time, thirteen defensive touchdowns, most all-time. One of three players in league history with at least twenty-five picks with two different franchises: with the Packers and Raiders. And the first year of eligibility, the great corner turned safety was inducted into the Hall of Fame, man. Calvin Johnson, he has numerous records as well, like I named before. He led the league in receiving yards, um, 11,719, and touchdowns to 83 during the span of his career. Single season um, receiving records for yards for a wide receiver, 1,964 in 2012. And he had an unusually short career, but... He enters the hall his first year of eligibility at the age of 35. Um, Drew Pearson. I'm just reading their records now after I said what they how they got in the Hall of Fame. Um, 48 touchdowns, 156 career games. Um, he he did so by catching the 489 passes for 7,822 yards, which is fourth most in Cowboys history. This, like, this class is something. And they're going to also induct the 2020 Hall of Fame class due to COVID because they didn't get to last year. So they're going to induct them the um, the day before the 2021 inductees to give them the respect and the um, attention they deserve as well. So they don't feel left out. Um, Fineca delivered a crushing pull block um, at the height of his career on Parker's game ceiling and record-setting 75-yard touchdown run in Pittsburgh Super Bowl XL victory. He paved the way for Thomas Jones during the final two 1,000-yard seasons of his career. 
He closed out his career in Arizona in 2010. 11 years later, his legacy will live on in Canton. This, man. What a class. What a class, man. It's, it's, it's just unbelievable. So, yeah. Shout out to the 2021 Hall of Fame. Duck these well-deserved. And thank y'all for what y'all did for, the fo- for America's game, football, NFL. Thank you. As I continue on with NFL news, quarterback New Orleans Saints Drew Brees has agreed to reduce his salary and sign a retirement. Um, in the latest signal that Drew Brees is preparing to retire after 20 seasons now, uh, New Orleans Saints quarterback has agreed to reduce his 2021 salary from $25 million to the veterans minimum of $1.075 million, a source confirmed at TSPN on Friday. The move will free up um, nearly $24 million in salary cap space for the Saints team. That was projected to begin the offseason, close to $100 million over the cap. Um, this agreement was first reported by Over the Cap. Breeze, who is now 42 years old, has not yet announced his retirement. But remember last year, he stated that this season will be his last season, but now he's having second thoughts. Um, but the move has been widely expected for months. Saints coach Sean Payne said Wednesday that he expects an announcement on Breeze's future plans within a week or two. Breeze and the Saints would then wait until after June 1st to officially file his retirement paperwork so they could spread his remaining salary cap costs over the next two years. He's scheduled to count $36.15 million against the cap this season with another dead money hit of $11.5 million scheduled to count against the 2022 salary cap from previous signing bonuses. Now he will count just $12.2 million against the cap until June 1st, which will be reduced to $11.1 million after he retire, officially retires. He will still count another $11.5 million against next year's cap under the scenario for a total of $22.6 million in dead money. If Drew Brees retires, he will go out as NFL's all-time leader in career passing yards, 80,358, and reign second all-time touchdown passes, 571, and completion percentage, 67.7%. This is scoring ESPN Sapphire Mike Triplett, who did a great job in this article. And if Drew Brees, let's say Drew Brees does retire, the Saints, they're going to have to rebuild, man. I really, I really think they're going to have to rebuild no matter what. But I just don't think they have enough to really be a true Super Bowl contender anymore. They need to start from the start at the quarterback position. James, if Drew's retired, James Wilson, I don't think he's your quarterback for the future, man. They're going to have to get that within the next draft or two because they're not going to have a high pick this year because they, they made the playoffs. They made it to the divisional round. They're not going to get a high draft pick this year. And, and they don't have a lot of cap space to really get an elite free agent, especially a quarterback to really move the needle for their team, to get them to that upper echelon of the NFL, to be for a true contender. Their defense is elite. We get that. But their offense, their offense is what, I feel like it's what's holding them back of becoming a true Super Bowl contender. It's, it's, Drew Brees' decision is going to be big, man. Even if, even if he does, say he does come back. He's he's not the same Drew Brees. He's old now. Like he, I guess he's old. He's still good, but he's not... The, as effective as he once was. I don't think he doesn't have the same... He he's just, he never had a crazy arm, but he's just so accurate. But I don't even think he's that level accurate. The accuracy that he used to have, I don't think he's even at that level anymore. Like He's still decent, but I think age has caught up to him, the injuries. The dude played with broken ribs, misplaced ribs, multiple fractures. And it's going to be hard for him to really come come back from that, like... Especially at the age he's at and the sport he's playing. 
But, man, it's going to be tough. But the fact that he's willing to take a pay cut for his team says a lot about the character about this guy and what he's willing to do to help his team win. Because he wants to help his team have the best chance to win and for them to get some key guys, some key assets for the team to help make the team better. So Drew Brees, shout, shout out to him, man. We'll see what he ultimately decides to do in the offseason and what the Saints do going from there, whether he retires or whether he decides to stay one more season. Um, getting to more NFL news, um, Seahawks superstar quarterback Russell Wilson um, surprisingly sounded off on his frustration with the team about getting hit too much. Um, <laughs> this is funny, bro. This is just crazy. Um, Russell Wilson, he's he's a we all know he's a humble guy. He's known his personality. He's known as a humble guy. Doesn't really talk much. Just let us um, play through the talking. I'm calling ESPN Brady Henderson. Um, speaking of strength only, this is the most he's ever spoken probably throughout his whole nine-year career. He stated Tuesday that he's frustrated by the amount of times he has been hit and has expressed his desire to be more involved with the team's personal personnel decisions. Um, quote, is what he had to say, like any player, he never wants to get hit. He told reporters from Zoom, that's the reality of playing this position. Ask any quarterback who wants to play this game. But at the same time, it's part of the job and everything else. I think that the reality is that I've definitely been hit. And I've been sacked almost 400 times, so we, so we've got to get better. And I've got to find ways to get better, too. And then he was asked if he was frustrated with the Seahawks. He said, with a laugh, I'm frustrated about getting hit too much. I'm frustrated with that part of it. At the end of the day, you want to win. Um, those comments he also echoed um, earlier in the day on the Dan Patrick show. Mark in the first time he publicly expresses his degree of displeasure with his past protection or any aspect of the organization that drafted him in 20, back in 2012. Um, this comes on the heels of the NFL Network and multiple teams have called the Seahawks about a possible trade for the eight-time Pro Bowler. According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, those calls for non-stars for the Seahawks who have made it clear to that Russell Wilson will not be traded. Trading Wilson before June 1st would trigger $39 million in dead money charges against their 2021 salary cap. He has three years left on the four-year, $140 million extension he signed in April 2019. That contract includes a no-trade clause that Wilson would have to waive in order to be dealt. Um, he has been sacked 394 times in 144 regular season games. According to ESPN Stats and Information Research, that's the most in a player's first nine seasons since the 1970 AFL-NFL murder. Randy Cunningham is next at 366. Wow. Um, his 47 sacks in 2020 were the third most um, in the NFL behind only Carson Wentz, who had 50, and Sean Watson with 49. Um, he was sacked five more times in pressure on 50% of his dropbacks in Seattle's wild card loss to the visiting Los Angeles Rams. You were playing Aaron Donald, man. Aaron Donald is probably the, he's the best defensive um, pass rusher we've seen since God knows when. Probably since Lawrence Taylor, to keep it a buck, or Reggie White. Um, which marked the fifth time the Seahawks have failed to advance past the division round and as many trips to the playoffs since they nearly repeated as Super Bowl champions during their 2014 campaign. The Seahawks were ninth best in ESPN's pass block win rate, 62% this past season, and they ranked eighth since 2017, 59%, which is indicative of how a Wilson Sachs are a function of his propensity to extend plays. Well, Wilson is 32 years old now, ladies and gentlemen. He is 
It's crazy how many times he's been sacked throughout his career, almost 400 times. And if he wants to play, he even stated, I'm just paraphrasing what he said, if you want to play another 10 to 15 more years, he has to be able to protect his body and the hits he's taking because it's going to add up. It's going to take a toll on him. He even said his goal is to play 10 to 15 more years. So I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. He said, and he also stated the difference in Sunday Super Bowl for the Buccaneers' ability to protect Tom Brady, who was sacked once uh, and hit twice in the Buccaneers' 39 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was the pass protection. And Tampa Bay had three sacks and eight hits on Mahomes. The Seahawks have full time on Pro Bowl left tackle Dwayne Brown and right tackle Brandon Shell, each on the contract for one more season. They right guard Damian Lewis, so their round pick 2020 was named the Pro Football Writer Association All Rookie Team. Left guard Mike Upati and center Ethan Pochitz are scheduled to become unrestricted free agents, so we'll see what they'll do. And he referred to Brown as an amazing player. During this interview with Patrick, said Seattle's trade for Brown 2017 was something Wilson badly wanted. Um, he cited Brady, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees as other top quarterbacks who have or have had kind of input and personal decisions that he wants to desire with this franchise. He stated, um, quote, I want to be able to be involved because at the end of the day, it's your legacy, it's your team's legacy. It's the guys you get to go into the huddle with, and at the end of the day, those guys you got to trust. When you think of the, about one of the reasons why Tom went to Tampa was because he felt like he could trust those guys. Coach Bruce Arian was going to give him the opportunity. Think about guys like LeBron James. He was able to be around great players that he can trust. But, yeah, man, I really understand where he's coming from, man. Um, sources told ESPN and Seahawks coach Pete Carroll involved Wilson in the team's recent search for a new offensive coordinator, which ended with the hiring of former Los Angeles Ram passing game coordinator Shan Waldron. Wilson had made it known publicly that he wanted his voice heard in that process. So yeah, man, this is this is a lot to get, to get into. Um, Wilson, it's the first time. It's kind of surprising that he publicly stated it, but it's good. It's good to know how he's feeling. Now that they know how he's feeling, we'll see how the Seahawks um, personnel react. Will they get more involved in the decisions with their um, front office when it comes to the coach, the coordinators, and all that, and how they go from there? I don't see him ever getting traded. He loves Seattle. He wants to stay there. I know he wants to stay there for the rest of his career. He wants to be he wants to be known as one of the Seattle all time greats. He already is, in my opinion. He brought them a championship. He's been a perennial. All pro, one of the great players in the league, pro bowler. And he just wants to help maximize his team's chances of winning because they've been disappointed in the playoffs the last couple of years. And I know he wants to get back to the promised land and deliver them another Super Bowl championship. And he wants to protect his body and be able to play another decade or so. So, yeah, I can get where he's coming from. So we'll see what happens in Seattle. And if ultimately the front office answers his questions, and let him become more involved in decision-making for their franchise. Next up, we're going to get into the NFL announcing their awards. Aaron Rodgers won MVP, baby. (laughs) His third in his career, his illustrious career. Um, Justin Herbert, we're going to get into him too, won Offensive Rookie of the Year, and we're going to get into the rest of the NFL awards that were announced this past week. And then we're also going to get into some NBA news. And MLBPA also announced some news as well. We're going to get into that as well. So stick back, relax, and we'll take a quick break.
Don't go anywhere. Welcome to the new Chris Paul Workout Show. If you want to make it to the NBA, you got to have a killer crossover. GNCP crossover. Oh, Jake from State Farm. Here's the deal. There's no replacing the real Chris Paul, just like there's no replacing State Farm. Man, what happened? Who are you? I'm the new Chris Paul. Man. We want the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Fact is, Every insurance company hopes you drive safely. But Allstate actually helps you drive safely with DriveWise. It lets you know when you go too fast and brake too hard. With feedback to help you drive safer, giving you the power to actually lower your cost. Unfortunately, you can't do anything about that. Now that you know the truth, are you in good hands? Now getting on to the NFL awards. NFL recently announced their award winners. Um, that's the full list, recognizing the top players and performances of this past 2020 season. Um, before the Super Bowl started, several of the award recipients also received sports new, sporting news honors as voted by their fellow players. Um, so let's get on with the NFL awards. Um, so Aaron Rodgers won MVP, which is the most so we're going to get into all of them. Let's, let's do it right now. Offense player of the year went to Derrick Henry, running back of the Tennessee Titans. He was a monster this season. He was the heart of their offense in 2020. 397 total touches, 2,141 total scrimmage yards, and 17 total touchdowns. He became the eighth member of the NFL's 2,000 rushing yard club, rushing for 2,027 yards and a league-high 378 carries. Well-deserved award, man. He was a beast in open field. I'll see games and highlights of him, two, three guys trying to tackle, tackle him, and he just bulldozed through them like he's Shaq, man. He's like the Shaq of running backs. The, the man can't be stopped by one guy trying to tackle him. He's just too big, too strong, and too good. All deserving of offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, man. Who else would it be? Three, now he's a now three-time defensive player of the year, defensive tackle of the Los Angeles Rams. He turned in a season by his standards, which is to say he was a lead again, a team leading 13 and a half sacks, 14 tackles for loss, 28 quarterback hits, four forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. All, all of that from a lineman who usually lines up inside is very, very impressive. Again, this is the third defense player of the year in the last four seasons for Aaron Donald. He's the only player to ever win three defense player of the year. He's the third player to ever win three defense player of the year in NFL history. The other two. J.J. Watt, who we're going to get into later, breaking news, how he just got released by the Texans, and Lawrence Taylor, the great Lawrence Taylor, the greatest defensive player of all time. Um, offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. He had a phenomenal rookie season. He got that, especially after that start he got in week two. 
um, after Tyrod Taylor suffered a punctured lung while receiving an injection. Um, Lynn reluctantly stayed with Herbert as the 2020 first rounder. Um, six overall pick, he quickly grew into the starters role. In 15 games, he posted a rookie record 31 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. Um, 7.3 yards per attempt and a 98.3 passer rating. He also rushed for 234 yards and five touchdowns for the season. He had the most passing touchdowns by any rookie ever. And I can't wait to see how Justin Herbert grows his game. He has a rocket arm, cannon for an arm, just like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. He is that type of arm talent, and he has he has pretty solid mobility, and he's a big, strong quarterback. Coming out of Oregon, nobody thought he would be this good this quick. Nobody had these type of expectations for him. But now going to the second year, we're going to see what improvements he makes in his game and what he can do, man. Let's see what pieces they put around him in the future, man. He he's gonna be an electric talent. I hope he continues to get better because he could be in that um um that talk with the best quarterbacks in the league, top five quarterback in the league with the Mahomes, the Watsons, the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilsons of those type. He could be he could be up there, man. I honestly think I honestly think he could be better than um a, a Russell Wilson, and that's saying a lot. I think he'd be better than Lamar Jackson. I think he'd be better than those type of guys. And those guys are great players. Don't get me wrong, but I think he'd be better than them. I think he could be a top three quarterback in the league if he puts it all together and if he gets the team around him so they could produce and win. Um, defensive rookie of the year with the Chase Young defensive end for the Washington football team. He brought a lot of balanced energy to their elite defense this past season. After he was the second overall pick, the, he was highly hyped in college. The Ohio State product notched seven and a half sacks, recovered three fumbles, and made 10 tackles for loss in 15 games this season. And he made a big impact for their team defensively. And he was talking trash to Brady in the playoffs in the wild card round. But he 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 has a bright future. I want to say he's healthy, continues to work on his game, which I know he will continue to do. He'll be one of the best players in the league for the next decade or so. And one of the best defensive players. Comeback player of the year, went to Alex Smith with the Washington football team. Um, This guy almost died of an infection. Who else would it be? After surgeries to repair his gruesome leg injury he suffered back in 2018, he returned to the field in week five of the 2020 season and took over as Washington's starter into week 10. He made six starts in all with Washington winning the last five and route to winning the MC East. He finished the season completing 66.7% of his passes with six to eight touchdown and interception ratio. But the numbers secondary to Smith being able to resume his career after what we thought was the end of his career and potentially the end of his life. So comeback player of the year. Who else would it be? Alex Smith this year. Coach of the year, Kevin Stefanski to the Cleveland Browns. He came over from the Vikings last offseason and prompted, promptly guided Cleveland to their franchise's first playoff berth in 18 years. I was a baby last time they made the playoffs before this year. <laughs> it's crazy. They finished 11-5 during the regular season, capped off a two-point win over the rival Steelers, which I was shocked. In Week 17, while the Browns playoff blowout of Pittsburgh the next week in wildcard round wasn't a factor in the voting because it's a regular season award. But it still showed the progress that the team has made under Stefanski. Walter Payton, the man of the year, went to Russell Wilson. Um, this is Tyler's commitment to Seattle Children's Hospital, which began when um, when he joined the Seahawks as a rookie and his social justice work through his Why Not You Foundation earned him the NFL's annual humanitarian honor. It's been one of the greatest gifts God given me, quote, he stated, it's just to be able to have influence and a little bit of change, too. Said his connection to the hospital. And assistance coach of the year went to Brian Doble of the offensive coordinator of the Bills. He drew up Buffalo's high-powered offense in 2020, and it pushed Josh Allen to a new stratosphere this year. He's now one of the top, probably top five quarterbacks in the league now. I forgot about him. Um, 
Josh Allen took a ne- the next step. Him and Stephon Diggs became one of the league's most dangerous quarterback wide receiver combinations. They finished second in the NFL with 500, 501 total points in 2020. Clutch performance player of the year went to Hail Mary, Kyle Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, man, that was a crazy play. Murray's desperation heaved into the end zone for Hopkins turned a loss into a last-second win for the Cardinals against the Bills in Week 10. It was just an improbable play. Kyle Murray using his great um, agility, great speed, bl- blistering away, away array of speed to get away from the defenders, and he just heaves it to DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in the game, top five wide receiver, jumps over three Bills defenders trying to prevent the pass completion from him, and he catches it in the end zone. Two guys in front of him and one guy behind him to try to prevent the pass, and he catches it over all of them for a touchdown and for the win. That was just, it was a crazy play. Crazy, crazy play. Um, so yeah, there's other awards out here, but those are the main awards I want to get into. And all these guys are very well deserving. And NFL, I think, got it right for each award. And I think each guy was well deserving. And congrats to them on an amazing um 2020, 2021 season. Um, we gotta get into some breaking news though. Um, there's been some breaking news that just came out um today. Actually, J.J. Watt, the Houston Texans have agreed to release J.J. Watt at his request. According to ESPN staff writer Sarah Barshop, um, the Houston Texans have released star defensive end J.J. Watt. He was drafted by the Texans 2011 with the number 11 pick and became the face of the franchise when he won three defensive NFL Player of the Year awards from 2012 to 2015. He's one of three players to win that award three times. Like I mentioned earlier, him, Aaron Donald, and Norris Taylor are only players in NFL history. To win three defense player of the year award awards. Um quote, I've sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release, and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time, he said in a video post posted to Twitter. I came here ten years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who never really been to Texas before, and now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. The way that you guys have treated me besides draft night, I mean you guys booed me on draft night, and by every day after that you treat me like family, and I truly feel like you're my family. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to a new opportunity. I've been working extremely hard, but at the same time, it's always tough to move on. And I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the Manier family for drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. This is crazy. This guy spent his whole career on this team, ladies and gentlemen. Now that he's a free agent, a lot of teams that could use a lot of help in their pass rush defense are going to try to get his services, man. Because when healthy, and he hasn't really been healthy the last couple of years, he's been dealing with a lot of Injuries, nagging injuries. He's one of the best players the league has ever seen on the defensive end. Um, he's coming off his second 16-game season since 2015, as he has dealt with several season-ending injuries since then. Um, 2020, he ranked 15th out of 119 qualified pass rushes and pass rush win rate, according to ESPN stats and information. He finished the season with five sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception. He returned for a touchdown. He's by far the most productive pass rusher in Texans history with 101 career sacks. There have been only two players in team history with more than 30 career sacks since the franchise's first season in 2002. Um, ESPN um, NFL expert Adam Schefter stated he's one of the best past, uh, best defensive players in history. Um, McNair told ESPN Adam Schefter it's hard to put in a sentence or two because he has meant so much to the team and city. His legacy will be with us for years. It's bye for now, but not bye for good. My kids grew up with him. He's played with them on the sidelines. One of my kids shares a birthday with him. Mom's a big fan of his. 
He just meant so much to all of us. This is doing right by him. And this gives him time to pick his next out. This is crazy, man. And shortly after the announcement, his brother, another stud in his own right, T.J. Watt, who made the All-Pro team this season for the linebacker for Pittsburgh Steelers, T.J. Watt tweeted a response, a video of Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> um, but I think this is good for him. He needs some change, change of scenery. Um, he needed to get. He needs to move on because I don't think the Texans are going to really go anywhere. They're not title contenders. And I know I feel like Deshaun Watson now. Now that this um, news came out, I feel like he's really going to push even more, more harder to get a trade because he knows his team's not going to be in contention for winning. And J.J. Watt was one of their key guys that helped them over the years. And social media took a reaction to Field Yates um, tweeted, 10-year-old the Texans, J.J. Watt, Five-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time NFL Defense Player of the Year, Walter Payton Man of the Year, 101 sacks for 61 passes defended, 494 tackles, 25 forced fumbles, three received in touchdowns, arguably the best player in franchise history. So, um, yeah, J.J. Watt, I think, I think this was gonna, I think this was bound to happen because I know he's frustrated with the team. He wants to win. You know, I know he wants to get a Super Bowl win championship and we'll see where he goes man it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes what i feel will he go to tampa bay oh get that right <laughs> we'll see man a lot of teams that can use the services and the pass rush defense the teams that are near the bottom that are just that like their defense is what's keeping them from getting to the super bowl and they already have their offense to compete at a high level i think he's gonna look at teams like that but um yeah i just this i think a change scenery is good for him he's been there he gave them a decade of his services and We'll see where he eventually goes from here. Um, the <coughs> Los Angeles Rams traded Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, and it's kind of crazy. But um, because they 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 believe Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff, but are they really that different? When I looked at their career accolades, both of them kind of have similar Pro Bowl appearances. None of them has made an All Pro team, I believe, and neither like. But Jared, um, Matthew Stafford has, un, has had the unfortunate, um, this, like, I can't even say the word. He has been unlucky to be a part of the Detroit Lions franchise. And they traded him for, um, with golf. And the Rams sent two first-round picks and a third-round pick to the Lions um, in exchange for Stafford. I think the Rams probably gave up too much leverage. They gave up too many draft picks to the Lions. Especially two first-round picks and a third-round pick. That's a lot of like, that's a lot of value right there that you don't want to give up. And I don't know if that was the right move, but Matthew Stafford, he is a bigger, stronger quarterback than Jared Goff. And I think overall, he's a better quarterback than Jared Goff. Um, but we haven't really seen if he could do it in the playoffs. Like he's only had three playoff appearances his whole career. But his last nine, his he has spent his last nine seasons. Um, his last couple of years... Wait, this is from 2018. So from like, tw he got drafted in 2009. So from 2009 to 2018, he piled up impressive stats. He threw for 5,000 yards in 2011. He set a single season NFL record for pass attempts, 727 the year later. He left an impressive comeback after impressive comeback in 2016. But uh, despite that, his team has been 0 3 in the playoffs. Um. So in, so in 2014, 
back to back one of the NFL's best def- defenses. He but stuck in the offense that wasn't the right fit. He threw for 323 yards and one touchdown, but they lost to the Cowboys in the wild card round. Two years later, he was a more complete quarterback, and he had his quietest playoff game. He threw for, <coughs> excuse me, 205 yards. The Lions failed to reach end zone, a loss to the Seahawks, and a penalty, drops penalties, and overall lackluster performance um, end up in another loss. And then 2016, they lost again. He just had he has had um a misfortune of being with the Lions franchise. But um I don't know. I don't know what to I don't we'll have to wait and see how this trade plays out, man. Derek Goff to me, he's just an average quarterback. I think he's a solid starter. But um and then I was looking at something else, some Rams wire stats show a major difference between so a deep ball rate since twenty nineteen. Matthew Stafford has seventeen percent second to Jared Goff's nine percent, which is thirty first in the league. Derek Goff's not a great deep ball threat to Matthew Staff like Matthew Stafford is. He has a stronger arm. Um, his um deep passing twenty plus yards downfield this season. This past season, Matthew Stafford threw for thirteen touchdowns, six interceptions. Derek Goff four touchdowns, six interceptions. That was from January thirty first, two thousand twenty one. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. I don't. I feel like the Rams gave up too much. I just feel like, especially Matthew Stafford. I know we'll see what damage he does, but. He's 32. It's not like you're getting a young quarterback who's just finding himself. This is a guy who knows who he is, but I feel like he's going to be even more he's going to be even more prevalent and more in the spotlight now. Now he's in Los Angeles in a winning culture on the Sean McVay who's an offensive guru, offensive genius, and we'll see what he does with Matthew Stafford. Next up, we're going to get into some NBA news after covering a lot of the NFL. So sit back and we'll take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Jake from State Farm. I may have told her server you can give her the Rogers rate for her insurance. Well, that's just fine, considering the Rogers rate isn't real. Yeah, but I'm sure you gotta probably pull some strings or something here. Look, there are no strings. Here's the deal. State Farm offers everyone surprisingly great rates. Hey, we're in. Get the Rogers rate. Oh, did you guys want some? When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. state the safer you drive the more you save you've never been in better hands Allstate, click or call for a quote today
so I just want to talk about some NBA talk. So Lakers, LeBron James been balling out, man. He had a triple-double the other night against the OKC Thunder. They're second in the West right now, behind only behind the Utah Jazz. And they, so you have the Jazz first. Donovan Mitchell has been balling out. We got to give him some credit. Remember, Shaq was criticizing him, saying he doesn't believe he could take a team, be the best player on the team, take him to a championship level. He doesn't believe he's a superstar in the league. He was trying to motivate him, and he's just balling out ever since. They have the best record in the whole NBA right now. Um, Lakers, LeBron James, AD's out. Been out lately with Achilles tendonitis, so I hope he gets healthy. Hope he gets well. Um, LeBron James been balling out, keeping his team afloat. Again, guys involved. Got a triple-double against the OKC Dunner tonight. Hit a hit a clutch shot against Detroit to beat the Detroit Pistons. They almost lost to them. It's crazy. The worst team in the East. One of the worst teams in the league. But uh, he got the job done. Clippers are third in the West. You got the Suns at four. Blazers at five. Spurs six. Nuggets seven. It's a it's a battle in the West, man. For because they're gonna have a tournament. The seven to ten are gonna battle, have a tournament to decide who gets in the playoffs. Top six teams are safe, but the seven to ten range right now. You got the Spurs, Nuggets seven. Eight Warriors, Curry's been balling. He's been shooting at an efficient um, clip. He's been balling like his MVP season for 2015-16, man. He's been shooting so efficiently. He's averaging the last couple of games like over 30 points per game, shooting over 50% from the three-point line and over 53% from the field. He's been shooting at an elite, efficient clip lately. And you got to give him props. He's keeping his team in the playoff hunt. And this is... A team that doesn't really have consistent guys. Clay, Kelly Oubre be having a game here and there, but he's not consistent. Um, Andrew Wiggins, same thing. Draymond Green, we know he's not an offensive threat. But, uh, yeah, um, it's, it's just going to be exciting. Uh, NBA finalized the All-Star game. I forgot to get into that. They finalized the All-Star game. There will be an All-Star game March 7th in Atlanta, 2021. But uh, this uh, LeBron James and stars around the league. Um, described that he described Giannis expressed his desire that he he's with LeBron. He believes it's kind of surprising NBA is gonna have an All Star game. Jokic same thing, and guys some guys like Luka Doncic, Trey Young are for an All Star game. They're not against it. But uh, this is what LeBron had to say about the NBA, um, having an All Star game. Hey LeBron, Frank opened his presser by congratulating you on passing Wilt uh, for the all time field goals made lists and I, I think the number is 12,691 uh, this is of course with players trying to keep you from making shots you just wonder how that number hits you and just kind of thinking about how many times the ball has had to go through the hoop just that thing itself um you know the number doesn't uh you know doesn't do much you know for me I think it's just the the uh the association with with a legend like Will Chamberlain um that that does something for me because I, I I'm a guy who uh, grew up, you know, reading about the game, studying the game, studying the the, the players, the post, you know, post press, past and present, um, you know. So I, I wanted to see who um, was dominant in their era, or, or who laid the groundwork for for young kids like myself who started to play the game when I was nine years old, and um, and and Will obviously was a big staple of that. So um, you know, <laughs> defense has definitely been trying to stop me from putting the ball in the basket throughout my, my career. And, uh, you know, I've been able to, um, you know, for the majority of being able to score a few buckets and, and then have my name linked with some of the greats that ever played this game of basketball. So, you know, it's very humbling. Um, you know, it's, it, always, it always gets me thinking about my, my upbringing growing up in Akron, Ohio, and, and, and things of that nature. So it's pretty cool, Pete. You've also spoken about, you know, wanting to 
take out any weaknesses in your game and the evolution and thinking about the field goals made earlier in your career, probably more at the rim. You're still scoring at the rim, but to add the three-pointer to this degree, to be shooting over 40% at this point of the season, is, is how, do you, how does that hit you as the, that point of pride for the career? Uh, I've never put a ceiling on, on my ability to continue to get better. And I've always had a growth mindset on how I can get better with my game. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't uh, too fond of the short off season because I, I didn't really get an opportunity to kind of dissect, um, you know, a part of my game where I wanted to get better at. But, um, you know, I use, um, you know, use the time, you know, wisely and, um, you know, mostly for my body, mostly for my mind, you know, with the short off season, but also, you know, just, you know, come back a better player. And, um, and I feel like I'm a better player than I was last year. Um, I feel like, um, you know, I can, you know, you know, beat the defense at, at any facet um, once I cross half court. Um, so um, I think it's just uh, it makes our team that much better when, when I can improve. And, and I feel like I, I've improved my game. Dave? Well, you said obviously that, that scoring mark tonight, but your passing uh, seemed to change the game somewhat in, in the third quarter. When you're doing it against a, a guy – like Jokic, who gets so much credit uh, for that, rightfully so. You've credited his passing in the past. Is there any game within a game? Is there any satisfaction uh, in having impressive passes against a guy who's known for doing the same thing? No, I think my, my job um, is to put the, the ball on time and on target um, and, and not turn the ball over. You know, I'm, I'm not going to have some turnovers, but, you know, for the majority, put the ball on, on time, on target to my guys. Um, Either for layups, for threes, for for dies, for cuts, um, and and um, and that's my job, you know. And um, and and I and I would probably say it's the same for Joker as well, you know. Um, you know, we do take chances that a lot of people in our league don't take, but we have the ability to connect on a lot of those things. So uh, we we take those chances, and uh, you know, the best thing about it is we have some really good receivers, and and our receivers run their routes, and we just try to put it there where where they can catch it and not the defender. So and, uh, and that's what it comes down to. Kyle. Yeah, LeBron, um, there were some defensive effort plays that really stood out, um, like Dennis doing the double dive for the loose ball and, and forcing the play clock violation, and, and Kuz coming back blocking Michael Porter Jr. from behind. I'm wondering, did those plays make a difference in, in sparking the team, especially as, as you guys started getting more stops on defense and, and locking down in that third quarter? Absolutely. I mean, you just said it best. I mean, we hang our hats on our defense. We're the number one defensive team in the league, and we want to continue that. That's what we, that's what we hang our hat. When we're playing well, we defend it. We're flying around. We're helping one another. Um, you just said to see minutes dive on, uh, for a loose ball twice in the same possession. Uh, you know, you've seen Kuz come back into the fray and get a, and get a charge on Jermichael Green. Um, you know, also get a block shot on Monty Morris coming back into play. Um, you know, guys were just flying around. I thought uh, our bigs did a great job on Joker tonight, just trying to keep a body in front of them. Make him take some tough shots, um, you know, and our guards did a, a hell of a job, too, on, on Murray, even though he had some tough shots, but just trying to keep a body in front of him. And, you know, we all just try to do our part. We all try to do our part, work on a string. It's five guys on the floor, and we try to work on uh, work together. And when we do that, you know, we're very, very good. Last three here, um, Dan. Hey, LeBron. Uh, kind of two, two sort of quick ones, maybe. Um, <clears throat> we'll see. I guess that's up to you. Uh, the, the first question is um, there's going to be an all-star game. And I'm just kind of curious as to your sort of level of interest slash excitement about that. And then on a totally different note, um, you talked about not having a ceiling for yourself. And, and you've said that a few times. Uh, what's there still left to do um, 
you know, what's there still, like, where, where do you want to get better still as you continue to play? Well, I'll answer the, first, uh, the second question first. Um, you know, for me, for my game, um, you know, I don't really put a, a, a list together. Uh, um, I, I kind of break it down after the season, see, okay, you know, was I, where was I less, less efficient at? Um, you know, where can I be more efficient at? Um, you know, and, um, and I just, like I said, I, I, I've said it over and over, I don't try to put a ceiling on my game, how ways I can improve. Ball handling, free throw shooting, three-point shooting, low post, uh, posting, front, back to the basket, uh, face up, um, you know, mid-range, um, you know, coast to coast, things of that nature. Just things that, that that will always keep defenses, uh, you know, off balance. You know, how do how, how do we try to stop them? You know, um, you know, and for me, I feel like if I'm a, uh, the most complete player I can be, um, then it makes our team even more dynamic. So, you know, that that's just my thinking. Um, to their second question, um, I have zero energy. Um, and zero excitement about an all-star game this year. Um, you know, I, I don't even understand why we're having an all-star game. Um, but it's the agreement that the Players Association and the league came about. Um, you know, short off season for, for myself and my teammates was 71 days. And then coming to the season, um, you know, we were told that we were not having an all-star game. So we had a, a nice little break, um, you know, five days from the 5th through the 10th, you know, an opportunity for me to kind of recalibrate for the second half of the season, my teammates as well, some of the guys in the league, and then they, they throw an all-star game on us like this and, and just breaks that all the way up. So um, pretty much it kind of a slap in the face. Um, and, you know, we're also still dealing with a, with a pandemic. We're still de- dealing with everything that's been going on. And we're going to bring the whole league into one city that's open. Um, so, you know, obviously, um, the pandemic has absolutely nothing to do with it at this point um, when it comes to that weekend. Um, so, um, obviously, you guys can see I'm not very happy about it, but it's out of my hands. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be there if I'm selected. Um, but um, I'll be there physically, but not mentally. That's that's kind of that's kind of he kind of right. It's kind of slapping the face because the beginning of the season, the NBA was stating how they're not going to have an All Star game. But they no, they did. I remember that they, they, I was reading articles before the season started. They said there was a possibility that there could be an All Star game. They didn't forever like they didn't like permanently say there won't be an All Star game. They said there might be a, a chance. But he is kind of right. There is a slap in the face to the players and a lot of the top players in the league. It's kind of concerning. Have stated their concerns about the All Star game. LeBron. Giannis, Kawhi even said they're they're prioritizing. I'm paraphrasing what he said. I can't even say it. They're prioritizing um, money over safety because they're gonna lose a lot of money revenue if they don't have this all all star game. What's it? What are your priorities? What are you prioritizing? It's so hard to say that word, but uh, yeah, man. And then John Morant also said he's with LeBron and what the top players in the league are saying. Carl Towns, he he has dealt with his fair share of COVID, man. He's lost so many family members for it. He said, it, what does he know? Um, He hasn't dealt with COVID. He was, like, I mean, sarcastic and paraphrasing what he said because he, he doesn't believe the league should have an all-star game as well. Um, I haven't heard what Steph Curry had to say about it, but I don't, so I don't really know. Jokic even said he'd rather, if it's, if it's an all-star game, he'll go, but he'd rather be spending time with his family and get the rest. So, yeah, a lot of these top guys uh, kind of concerned. Chris Paul who is one of the, I think he's a president of the Players Union, something like that, I forgot. But uh, it's kind of, he, he was for the All-Star game. He's pushing them to have an All-Star game, negotiating with the players. It's kind of, him and LeBron are boys, so it's kind of shocking that LeBron's going against it. But I don't think that's anything to do with the friendship. But uh, yeah, man. 
um some some of these games lately um like the Luca versus Trey Young game was a good game to watch those two went at it they came up on top 118-117 um LaMelo Ball has been balling out lately he had seven three-pointers the other day against the Rockets in a win he's been balling out of control the last couple of games looking like a legit superstar him and John Morant ran at it the other night on Wednesday the Grizzlies came up on top 130 to 114 and after we will after I'm gonna have to do a separate episode with some of my friends on the top young players in the game because there's so much young talent in the league it's crazy and this draft coming up it's gonna be nice and we got I gotta do another episode of who's gonna be the next face of the NBA and I'm gonna include like the top young players who could potentially be there and maybe some high school guys who look like they, they look to be legit stars but um, that's gonna be another topic for another day that's gonna be exciting to do um the Zion Williamson, the Pelicans won four straight until they lost to the Bulls, 129-116. Um, Zach Levine balling out of control again. 46 points, seven boards, four assists, and he had nine three-pointers, ladies and gentlemen. This guy has become such an elite shooter. It's crazy. I remember watching him in UCLA when he was in, 20, in 2014. They compared him to Westbrook. Um, this guy has sick bounce, but he has become such a legit basketball offensive player. He's not a great defender, but offensively, he can do anything. He has a sick, nice handle, effortless bounce, and effortless range. And the fact that he's on the Bulls, it's just, it hurts, man. He's not on a good team. <laughs> he's just not. That's why. But he should legit be an all-star this season. Same thing with Bradley Bill, leading the league in scoring, averaging over 32 points a game. He should be he should be in there, man. Joel Embiid, been having a monster season as well. Steph Curry last night had 40 points, hit 10 three-pointers, five assists with eight rebounds, helping his team get the win over the Orlando Magic. Joel Embiid, and they played the Blazers last night. He had, what, 35 points, nine rebounds, three assists. Ben Simmons had 23 points, 11 boards, nine assists. Almost a triple-double. Damian Lillard poured in 30 with seven assists and two rebounds. Carmelo Anthony recently became uh, the 12th all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He's probably going to be 10th by the end of the season, passing Hakeem Olajuwon, guys like that, which is historic. I, I Like, lately... It's been crazy, man. But let's 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 get into this um MVP race. Um so, because it's it's been a race, man. There there's some legit the big men are back, ladies and gentlemen. Jokic and Embiid have taken their games to even new levels this season. They've always been talented, great players, but they have taken their game to new heights. Um this is an article by Hoops Hype by Frank Urbina. Um, this is the sixth edition of the 2020-21 season MVP rankings. And the top three vote-getters, man, it's clearly, I don't know what the order is, but Jokic, LeBron, and Embiid are the top three MVP candidates right now. They have Jokic at one. Um, his tour start to the season um, continued over this past week. He's a Serbian big. He's been averaging over 36 points, 10.2 rebounds, 6 and around 7 assists per game over his last four games, shooting 56% from the floor and 55 0.6% from the three-point range. Um, Mike Budenholzer said on defending Nikola Jokic, all he cares about is winning. He's going to do whatever it takes for his team to win or give his team the best chance. We've got to try and take as much away of that away and make him, you know, make life risible for him tonight. Um, the only thing hurting Jokic early MVP, season MVP is that the Nuggets are kind of in the low standard of the Western Conference. They have lost three games in a row, and they're like seventh in the West right now. This was February 9th, so there's been... A game since then, but uh, his see he's this season's current leader in win shares, box plus minus. I don't want really to get into all that because it's too much. Um, value over replacement player, Vorp, and 
it's has been spectacular. He had a 50 point, uh, almost a triple double the other night against the Kings, but they came up short in the loss. I felt so bad, but he has gotten in better shape this season. He he's he's having the best year of his career right now, Nikola Jokic, and he he's just he's just all all time all time great talent, and he's gonna be one of the greatest players of all time. It's ridiculous what he's doing, the number he's putting up, and Jamal Murray has been inconsistent. Um, for the Nuggets, especially after what we saw in the bubble, we thought he was going to take that next step this season. It has not happened. Um, Michael Porter Jr., he's still a young guy trying to find his way in the NBA. He needs to learn how to play defense, learn defensive schemes. It takes a couple years to learn that in the NBA. But, uh, and he needs to be more consistent if he wants to be a star in this league. But Jokic has been carrying their team, man, like legit. And he lost a lot of depth on their bench um, this past season. Um, Joel Embiid, they have second. He has missed a few games with like knee soreness or back tightness, but he has been dominant this season. His last three games, he has averaged over 34 points a game, eight rebounds, and two steals, including a 16-point win over the Brooklyn Nets. Um, even Steve Nash recently stated phrase for him. He called him beat a versatile monster. They feel he's one of the top teams in the league. Joel B is a monster who can play both inside and out, and he makes his teammates better. And he said Ben Simmons is a unique talent as well. Philadelphia, I think they're they're the top team in the East, I believe. Yep, eighteen and eight. You have the Bucks, sixteen and nine. Giannis has not been getting a lot of hype this season. People are kind of downing Giannis and bashing him, saying, "Oh, we want to wait to see what he does in the playoffs," because he has not really improved his game. And I'm kind of, I love greatness, but I want to see Giannis take add new elements to his game. I want to see that jumper come. Like, when is it gonna come? When is it gonna come? When is it gonna get better? I want to see post moves added. Like, I want to see. Things added to his game so he could become. If he adds those stuff to his game, he could be the undisputed best player in the league. If he adds a jumper and post moves, he could be the undisputed best player in the league. But he hasn't. And the Bucks are not going to take that next step until he takes that next step. The other day against the Suns, he had a monster game, 47 points, uh, double-digit boards and assists. He tried to hit the game when he shot. He missed it. And the Suns were going to give it to that to him all day long, the mid-range day. Because Devin Booker said, we want him taking that shot. He felt confident. And Giannis taking that shot because he knows Giannis is not a shooter. They, everybody knows that. DeAndre Ayton was giving him so much space. Teams have been backing up on him, not trying to not give him any driving lanes, clogging the paint because they know he's not a threat from the outside. Celtics are fourth. They've been dealing with some injuries. Um, everybody has. So the Nets the other day, man, they almost lost to the, they lost to the Pistons, bro. I know they had no KD, though. That was crazy against the Raptors last week, KD. And on nationalized television, on ESPN, they they said COVID. They said, um, he they cleared him to go play in the game because they thought COVID tracing. They thought he was positive, so they didn't put him in the game. Then they said, okay, he's good. They put him out. Plays nineteen minutes again, buckets, but then they pull him out again because they said, oh, it might be inconclusive tests. So on, they haven't got their full results yet, and they had to pull him out the game, which is just crazy. The NBA needs to get their act together. Like, that was just crazy. James Harden even called the situation crazy. It's just what's crazy what's going on. Like, if they're going to say his test is inconclusive, why did he put him in the game in the first place? Like, come on, man. Celtics are fourth in the East. Pacers are fifth. Six, six, Raptors have gone back in their mojo six. But the bottom of the East is kind of trash. Teams from six to eight are, like, under 500. Raptors are 12 and 14. Hornets are 12 and 14. Hawks need to get together. They're going to miss the playoffs. They're 11 and 13. Heat are 11 and 14. And Knicks are 11 and 15. 7 to 6 to 10 range. It's kind of bottom feeders, man. They're not really like over 500. Those teams are kind of struggling. 
Cavs have dropped. They're 10-16. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're 12th in the East right now. The Bulls are 11-10-14. If they could win a couple games in a row, they could make a run. Um, bottom feeders, Pistons, Wizards, and Magic are going to be in the lottery this year. But um, it's, this MVP race is going to be interesting. LeBron has his team top in the West, one of the best teams in the league. Doing it again at a, at 36 years of age. He he's he has averaged over 27 points, 9 boards, 10.5 assists over his last four games, shooting nearly 52% from the field. Um, he he is he's just otherworldly what he's doing. Um, he has he has not showed any signs of slowing down anytime soon, and uh, he's just a beast. Kawhi Leonard has been a monster this season for the Clippers. They have the best um the third best record in the West right now. Paul George has been out with a toe injury the last few games. Kawhi Leonard has been putting up great numbers. He's been putting up twenty six points, eight rebounds, four assists, and one and a half steals in that stretch. He has gone cold from the outside recently. But uh, he's still putting up great numbers and helping his team win. Steph Curry continues his outstanding play. He's like top five in MVP voting right now. But his team, the standings, that's why he's not getting more MVP consideration because his team's only eighth in the West. Um, He hit new heights this past week. He has averaged over, damn, excuse me, 38.8 points per game. 6.3 assists over his last four games. Like I said, shooting over 58% from the field and over 51% from three. Jesus. That's crazy. He he's by far the greatest shooter we've ever seen. I don't need to state anymore. Um, the Buck and Giannis has Giannis at six. He has been somewhat quietly started. They have, they have they, the Bucks have been underrated this season because they haven't showed up in the playoffs. But Giannis has been continuing to be great. He has averaged over twenty five points, ten boards, five assists, and only two blocks per game. Shooting over fifty seven percent from the field. Um. He's another one of the least starts who spoke up about the All-Star game. Like I stated, he think, he stated, um, I think every player was looking forward to those five days, seven days, whatever the days are. Um, we've got to follow the big dog, referring to LeBron James. The big dog says he has zero excitement and zero energy for the All-Star game, and I'm the same way. I really, right now, don't care about the All-Star game. We cannot see our families. Like, I can't worry about the All-Star game. I want to see my family, he stated. I want to see my little brother in Spain. I want my brother to come see me. So I'm the same way. I've got zero energy, zero excitement. At the end of the day, if they tell us we're going to show up, um, we've got to do our job. I'm gonna always gonna do my job. I'm always showing up, showing the right example. But at this end of the day, inside deep down, I don't want to do it. I want to get some break. So uh, yeah, I haven't heard what Kevin Durant had to say, but um, uh, Kevin Durant, he has been missing some games due to COVID protocols twice now this season. But when he's playing, he has been a monster, and he has been shooting at an efficient rate, and he's just been killing this season. Damian Lewis also in the race, top ten. Um, the only reason he's not higher because Portland's only fifth in the West, and the other guys are putting up greater numbers. Luka Doncic, he was in the race, but his team has been terrible this season. He was their odds, the clear cut favorite for MVP this early preseason this season, but his team has not showed up this season. And Paul George, they have a number ten. I don't think he's not gonna win it because his numbers aren't good enough, and he's a sidekick, but he's still putting up good numbers. Twenty four. Points per game, six rebounds per game, and five and a half assists, shooting 50% from the f- floor and 47% from three. So, uh, yeah. Anthony Davis, he, they have at 11, Trey Young at 12, Jalen Brown at 13, Donovan Mitchell at 14, which is kind of low for me, considering his team has the best record in the NBA. But Utah gets no love. <laughs> he gets no love. But, um, yeah, the MVP race is going to be interesting. I think, it, well, in all in all, the boil it down is going to be down to. Nicole Jokic, LeBron, James, and Embiid. I think 
one of those three are going to win it. It's going to come down who has the best record and who's putting up the best numbers. If Jokic, if they, Jokic get his team to a top four or three seed in the West, I think he can win it. But I think it's between LeBron and Embiid because their teams are sitting atop the conference. Lakers are top two, and the Sixers have been atop the East for since the beginning of the season now. So we'll see how it boils down and who ultimately wins MVP. Uh, the G League at night team, man, Jalen Green and that team. And Jonathan Kaminga, the other day, made their debuts. Jalen Green struggled, but he played. He, he struggled with a shot and scoring, but he played some great defense on Nico Mannion in their debut this past Wednesday against the Santa Cruz Warriors. And Jonathan Kaminga, he had a solid debut as well. They saw Nick Sport in 12 points, looking like a true point guard. He could take contact and finish at the rim. I got I got to catch some of that game. But um, they look promising, and I want to see how they get get comfortable in the system, how they continue to grow, and we'll see how this pays off, man. Because a lot of guys, guys coming up, are gonna look at this and be like, "That could be a route I could take to go to the NBA." And I haven't really talked about enough about this team, but um, this this team is gonna be exciting to watch, man. I, I'm gonna try to catch some more of their games. I I don't know if they have a game today, I believe, but. But Jonathan Kaminga, he he's a legit prospect. He he's a top five prospect in this strong NBA draft. I'm gonna get into this NBA draft later down the line. Some of the prospects I need to introduce y'all to because these some of these guys are gonna be legit stars in the NBA. Um, but yo, Jonathan Kaminga, I'm trying to look up his stats right now. I forgot how he he showed off his explosiveness, had strong moves, and he knows how to use his body. He has great body control. And he even threaded the needle. He has a good passing feel for the game. He needs to improve his jump shot, but that will come in time. Oh, he had 19 points, four rebounds, four assists, two blocks with four turnovers and 33 minutes of play. Um, Dalen Green, like I said, he struggled with his rhythm, getting his shot going. But he made plays, got some rebounds, a few assists, but some turnovers as well. But as he gets more comfortable, I expect him to I expect to see the Jalen Green I saw in high school. I know he's playing against grown men, so it's an adjustment. It takes time. He's going to have to get stronger. Um... But we'll see. His handle was a little sloppy when I was watching some of his game, some of the game. But uh, I think I think they're going to be special, man. I think they're going to be special. Isaiah Todd, I feel like he doesn't get enough talked about, <laughs> get talked about enough. Everybody mostly talks about Green and Kaminga. But uh, I think he could be special, too. Um, th- Yeah, this team is going to be interesting to watch as the season continues to go on. NBA scouts are definitely going to be watching this team very close. Because these, these guys look like they have legit potential. This draft is very strong at the top. I think the top 10 is legit. The lottery is very legit. I think it's a deep draft, too. But um, some people are trying to say K. Cunningham is overrated. But we're going to get into... I'm going to talk about the draft box a little more as we get closer to the draft. And especially as March Madness comes closer. But these G League at night, it was very promising to see um, their their start. I'm about to look up their schedule right now. Their schedule. So they play. I played. Their first game was February 10th. The next game is Saturday against OKC. Okay. So Saturday, tomorrow's their next game. So that's going to be interesting to watch. This, this, I can't wait. I want to see Jalen Green coming up really like get more comfortable and dominate. And I want to see Isaiah Todd do his thing. Kyle not playing because he's going to play with his team, his national team in the World Cup or something. He's getting ready for that. So sadly, we don't get to see him play. I think he could be a, a legit, like, 
skilled big man who could be a stud in this league. But um, yeah, these prospects are exciting to watch, and I can't wait to see how they continue to grow within the system, get used to adjustment of playing against NBA caliber guys and pros. Because I know it's an adjustment playing from high school to the pros. They're faster, they're stronger, they're smarter, they're more, and they're just more skilled. You're not going to be dunking on people as easy like you did in high school. You're not going to be blown by scoring 40, 50 points. You got to be able to make reads and read and react. You got to be able to make smart reads and read the defense, make your teammates better. It's not all about getting buckets. And you got to be able to move without the ball. That's what Jalen Green's trying to learn. He even stated it. Because when you're in high school, you're the man. You're used to having the ball in your hands all the time. That's one of the biggest judgments top guys have to make when you're going to the pros. You're playing with the best players in the world. You can't be ball dominant all the time. You got to be able to move without the ball and make your teammates better and be able to do stuff off the ball, set screens for your teammates, go for rebounds, stuff like that. Little things like that is what separates the good players from the great players. So we'll, we'll see how they continue to develop and how they grow throughout the season. Lastly, we're going to talk about some baseball news and then some soccer. Before that, we'll take a quick break. is a short one. If you don't drive a lot, you save 50% when you pay per mile with Allstate. So you pay less when you drive less. You've never been in better hands. Allstate. Click or call for a quote today. Let's now get into some baseball news. Um, MLB and MLBPA agreed to health protocols. Um, seven inning double headers, um, runners on second and extras. So they have agreed to having seven inning double headers and runners on second base. The start extra innings will return for a second straight season under agreement for 2021 health protocols reached Monday between them, Major League Baseball and the Player Association. This did not include last year's experimental with to extend the designated hitter to the National League or expanded playoffs after allowing 16 teams in postseason last year instead of 10. MLB had proposed 14 for this year before withdrawing that plan last month. Um, There were 78 extra inning games last year, and the longest by innings were a pair of 13-inning contests at Houston, one by Los Angeles Dodgers on July 29th, and by Oakland on August 7th. Um, There were 45 games postponed for COVID-19-related reasons, and just two were not made up. So... Um, sports training opens February 17th, and the season starts April 1st. The union last week rejected MLB's proposal to delay spring training and opening day until April 28th, a plan that would have led to a compressed schedule of 154 games per team instead of the usual 162. The extended uh, DH was included in last year's health and safety protocols. MLB would not include it in this year's after the union rejected a proposal for a delay in the season that included the DH being used again in the National League. 
Um, last season's start was delayed from March 26th to July 23rd because of a pandemic, and each team's schedule was cut to 60 games. So, so then they'll be, they did try to pitch for a 154-game season, but that was delayed. So, we're, we're going to try to stick to the 162-game season, which kind of makes sense, considering they only had a 60-game season last year, which is even less than half of their games that they even have when they have a regular full 162 games. They even have half their games last year. They had, what, 60 games? That's not even half. Half is, what, 181. So they lost a lot of revenue due to COVID. Like a lot of sports leagues, they lost so much revenue. And they had no fans, so it was even more revenue that they lost. So it was like triple the triple effect. So I know what they're trying to do. It makes sense to have a full 162 game regular season that they typically have. So I kind of understand where both parties are coming from. And the fact they're going to have 10 teams in the playoffs now back to regular is going to make it even harder for these teams to... They're really going to have to win some ball games. So we'll see how this plays out. And once things get in the full swing in baseball, and hopefully they don't have a lot of COVID breakouts like they did last season because they've affected their season a lot for a lot of teams. So let's see. We'll see how this plays out and what eventually comes of it. And then the last thing I want to get into before I close out this show... On the MLS and MLSPA, the Major League Soccer Board of Governors and members have agreed to a new seven-year CBA that has been ratified by their Board of Governors. Um, after pushing back the deadline twice, the Major League Soccer and the Major League Soccer Player Association have ratified a new seven-year collective bargaining agreement that will be in effect from February 8th, 2021 until January 31st, 2028, and includes some of the following key points. There'll be a two-year extension of the existing agreement, on, and the then new CBA runs through 2027. Players will receive 100% of their compensation in 2021, including salaries and bonuses. Players will share in the increased revenue generated by MLS new media agreements beginning in 2023. Team bonuses and 401k contributions will remain as agreed to in the previous CBA and numerous other things um, that will take into effect after this new agreement. This is, this is crazy. Their regular season will start on April 17th. And a regular season will be released in the coming weeks. Um, Commissioner Don Garber stated, We have enormous respect and appreciation for everything the players have done helping build the league and the sport throughout the years, and they have gone above and beyond during the pandemic. We thank the MSPA leadership and the players for their thoughtful and collaborative approach on the new CBA. We work together and address in the, on the oncoming impact of COVID-19 on the league, and we appreciate the players' efforts to develop a CBA that deals with the uncertainty of the pandemic while also providing stability during the next seven years to enable further growth. We have looked forward to, forward to seeing the players on the training field in a few weeks as they begin preparations for the upcoming season. And they have also issued a statement on Twitter that the players are ready to play. So um, I don't really follow soccer that much, to be honest. It's just so many leagues, and it's so tiring to have to go through all that. And it's the reason why ESPN doesn't cover it, unless it's like the World Cup, which is major. But um, because there's just so many leagues, especially Ronaldo, I don't even know what league he plays in. I forgot and Lionel Messi. But um, the fact that they got a deal done is good, and we'll see how their season plays out. Well, that's gonna do it guys thank y'all for listening if y'all continue to get to this point thank you for your continued support i have now reached over 1200 total plays on my podcast which i'm very proud of the work i've been doing and thank you to all the guests who have ever come to my show it's very much appreciated I'm trying to get get good at this thing trying to become make this a reality man become a sports analyst on tv for the nba so that's my goal um 
Thank you. I know it was a lot of NFL news I had again too. It was a lot of going on in NFL, but NBA too. A lot of NBA is about being the main focus now with the NFL season now over. Um, I just love the talent we have in the league now. Elder statesmen like LeBron and Kirby doing their thing. The young guns like Zion and Luca doing their thing. Trey Young, guys like that. Jason Tatum. And then we have a great draft coming up in 2021, so it's going to be more exciting next season. But, uh, yeah, if y'all get to this point, thank y'all for listening. Thank you for the team support. Stay tuned for, I'm going to try to do an ex-NBA Legend bio episode. Maybe Magic Johnson, who knows. And, excuse me, and stay tuned for um, 10 Greatest Shooting Guards episode of all time. I'm going to try to do that again like I did with my 10 Greatest Point Guards. So, it's me, your host, DJ Hamilton. Thank y'all for listening. I'll see y'all next time.